Hey everyone, and welcome to Wedding Videography for Beginners. I am your host, Phil Beabout, and today we are talking with David Reynosa of Forestry. We So David is a, a return guest, which is a first, so we are super stoked to have him on because we want to talk about building a pandemic-resistant business. I think that so many wedding professionals were impacted, and they still are impacted by the pandemic. And we wanted to kind of talk about some things and some steps that folks can take to really limit that impact. And like I said, David, I'm unbelievably stoked to have you back on. How are things going, man? Oh, going good. I mean, goodness, this last year and a half with the whole pandemic was just insane. I know for my life, for everyone's lives, like I had to do a complete restructuring. And I mean, with the pandemic, I mean, just wedding shut down on me. And if it weren't for kind of structuring my business in the right way, I don't, I don't really know what I would have done. I would have probably gone back and had to like get a job at Starbucks or something. And yeah, it's just been nuts. So I'm excited to talk about like what we can do to kind of like proof that because this is not going to be the last time something like this happens in the world. And even if it is, let's just say, okay, this is the last worldwide pandemic. Our lot, like, no one's life is perfect. Everyone kind of thinks and hopes that their life will just continue up and to the left or up and to the right. And that's kind of the hope that people have is like, oh, if I get this or if I fix this in my life, then everything will be roses and I never have to worry about this, this and that. But that's not life. Life is messy and it's a series of ups and downs and ups and downs. And I think so many of us as wedding filmmakers, we go into business with kind of these rose colored glasses of, oh, if I take this course or do this thing, then I'm, I'm perfect. But they don't take the time. We don't take the time to have that foundation. And when life does hit, because it hits and it hits hard. And if it's not a pandemic, it'll be a pandemic in your personal life. Uh, yeah, we got we got to be prepared for that. So excited to talk about all that, and excited to be back. Yeah, no, I um, uh, I always tell people like you're you're one bad decision away from being homeless. So <laughs> it's it's really it's really important that you kind of you plan and prepare and. Um, you know, normally we start off the podcast episodes where in my notes, I have it called the origin story. So it's like, Hey, you know, how did you get into weddings and that kind of stuff? But David, he, and he was on, on episode 21 and he talks about everything from his magician days, which is awesome. Uh, and how he, you know, broke into the wedding those market. Were, and Those were good days. No, no, it was great. It was great. <laughs> So I, I encourage everybody to go back and listen to that. I mean, David, if you just want to give us just a, like a, like an elevator, uh, introduction, yeah. I'd, I'd like to kind of get into, into like the meat of this. Cause we can, people yeah, can kind of go see. back and listen to that. Yeah. So I'll, I'll do it in like 30 seconds. Uh, so I've never had a real job. I mean, my first job was working at a baseball snack bar. And that lasted two days. And I'm just like, I'm not about this. (laughs) And so I basically started my career after that. Didn't graduate college, realized, hey, I'm doing everything I need to do already. I already have my own business. That's what I'm going to college for. So why don't I just drop out and do my business? I was in film school, dropped out, did my business, had a horrible name the first three months, three years of my business, Love Shop Productions. That whole business was kind of a train wreck, was barely getting by, as you can tell by the name, just pitiful. And then I kind of had a wake-up call and got really serious about serving actually couples who I identify with because 
in my Love Shot days, I was creating films that weren't authentic to me. They weren't actually what I wanted to do with wedding filmmaking. They were just what I thought wedding filmmaking was, what was technically correct. And it wasn't until I said, you know what? I am going to decide, even if I don't make money, to make the kind of art that I want to make and to shoot the kind of weddings that I want to shoot. And that was outdoor elopements, adventurous weddings. And I just started doing it. And that's kind of when Forestry was born. And goodness, uh, I've been shooting weddings for a total of 12 years now. And Forestry, like, been doing that for seven or, no, like eight years. And then uh, last few years, I've been really into education for wedding filmmakers and helping them not make the same love shot <laughs> related mistakes that I made and starting uh, their businesses out on the right foot because it took me like seven years, eight years to get where I really wanted to be in business. And I just really hope to scrunch that for people and allow them to do be successful in way shorter amount of time than I was. So really pumped to be here. And that's a little elevator pitch of my story. Yeah. And you know, one thing that I just want to kind of chat about with that real quick is I think that it was when, when you're talking about business and you're talking about like your own personal business and that kind of stuff, like identifying who you are and where you want to be is very important. And like that shifted the trajectory of this entire thing with you. And once you like had that very realistic conversation with yourself that, it, you know, things, you know, obviously improved to where you're, uh, you're like a household name inside the wedding industry. Like it's, you know, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like crazy. You're a celebrity. Yes. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I always think it's funny um, that like, and I think it was Kaylin and me or Christy, I don't know we were talking about this and we're like, yeah, so people know us because we're wedding filmmakers and we kind of like, we'll do these workshops and people will come up to us like, oh, I watched your course or I did this thing. And then we're like, we're wedding filmmakers. (laughs) That's all we are is like wedding filmmakers, (laughs) but we're kind of like famous in this wedding world. It would be, I I don't know. I kind of like equate it to, oh, I'm a famous like knitter. That's like what I'm famous for is like knitting sweaters. Go. And then like whole community. I, I just think it's funny. Like I'm just I'm just a normal guy, but like I happen to have done wedding filmmakers for a long time. I just I just think it's funny. But uh yeah, that's it is also cool to be able to help so many people. Yeah, no, it's amazing, actually. Um so what I'd I'd kinda like to kick this off with just talking about the state that we're in right now. Mm. So it's August 2021. It's the end of August. Today's the 26th. Um, You know, in general, cases, so COVID cases across the United States are just on the rise. They're on the, they're, you know, on the rise here in Massachusetts. Like our seven day average is going up Uh, and out, you know, out here, especially we have insanely high vaccination rates and you're, you're seeing places even out here reinstating mask mandates and, you know, starting to do some indoor restrictions. And, you know, I, I think that it's important that everyone kind of starts to take a hard look at the potential impacts of what, like what might happen. Like people need to start like forecasting at this point, because we know what could happen. We lived through it last year. And I think that people need to kind of like shift gears at this point and then start to be like, well, what, like this is, people need to start doing some future planning. So, uh, 
you know, before, before we get knee deep into this discussion, I do just want to make something really clear. Like I'm not going to be here like advocating for vaccines or advocating to not get a vaccine or like, I don't, we're not going to talk about the politics of any of this like that. That's irrelevant to this conversation. Like you do you, the, um, what's important is the takeaways that you have for what you can do to make your business be able to survive what looks like is going to be round two. So some people might've survived round one by accident. And at this point we (laughs) need some, some intentionality on (laughs) surviving round two. So uh, I guess, David, what, what, what are your thoughts? Wow. Um, A lot. I, I, I don't think I fully internalized that we could be seeing like a round two because you're right. Like we haven't even gotten to the winter and flu season. Yep. And it like, I mean, California has always been, I'm, that's where I'm at, like the most shut down state, I think, of pretty much anywhere. And we're definitely talking about, you know, the next phase and it looks like who knows what's going to happen. So I have a couple of thoughts. I mean, a lot of thoughts. Uh, I think at first, I, I think finances are the absolute most important. I mean, the thing that got me through COVID was having a year, a year of savings in my bank account. And like, so I know typically people talk about the three to six month emergency fund. Now, that's what you should definitely have. And if you don't know what that is, it's essentially you on a piece of paper or on a note on your computer, you write down what are your bare bone expenses to live, like rent, Mm -hmm. food, insurance, um, anything that you need to live. Don't include any luxuries like Netflix and uh, a fancy car payment and eating out and things like that. So say your normal budget might be like five or 6,000, but when you cut out all the fat, maybe it's closer to like 4,000. You multiply that by three and you open up a separate bank account so that way you're not tempted to spend it on a new like uh, Ronin or something like that. And a bank I recommend that's really great is Ally. It's one I use. It's really easy to set up. And you put your emergency fund there. So say if you're, if you factored to be 3000 you would have, what's, 9000 9, for three months. And then, you know, do the math for six months. So that's what I've normally told people. But as we've just seen a pandemic, what you're going to want to more than likely do, what I would really suggest is stretching that out to at least eight months, if not 12 months of bare bones expenses. And this could be hard, especially if you're in business and you're like, ah, but I want that piece of gear or I want to start investing because I know um, being in business, it can be really tempting to go on YouTube and see all these people making money right now in cryptocurrency and stocks and be like, oh, I want to get in on that. I don't want to just have money sitting here. But I can tell you that that security blanket over... It's not going to matter if you have the new camera if you have no weddings to shoot. And it's not going to matter if you have your money in stocks if you can't pull it out without penalties. So really get that emergency fund in place. And another thing I would recommend that really helped me, I mean, like save my butt during this pandemic is having another stream of income. So specifically for me, that was wedding education. I was already doing that before. Um before the pandemic hit, but it saved me. And I know a lot of you listening might think, oh, I can't, I can't do 
wedding education. Uh, David can only do it because he's been in the business for 12 years, 13 years or whatever it is. And I remember I had been doing weddings for, I think, eight years. And there was multiple people reaching out to me for mentorship opportunities. And I was like, ah, I don't know. I just feel like I'm still figuring it out in my own business. I don't know if I can really help. And I remember I was actually at my church small group and one of the guys there was a business coach and he came up to me and I was kind of telling him my struggles and he's like, dude, just do the mentorships, like just do it. And I was like, but I can't, and I had all these reasons. It's like, no, 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 I'm going to, I'm going to send you a contract. It literally says I'm a coach and you're hiring me for a mentorship for a one hour slot. And he sent me the contract and I did these mentorships and it took someone else telling me to do it. And I, I did these mentorships with a couple people. And actually, one of my first mentorships that I did was with Nick Miller from How to Film Weddings. And now they have like a full on (laughs) brand and business just from that first mentorship. And so I guess what I'm saying is, as you think about diversifying your income, because I know you probably hear that a lot. You're like, what? Do I need to start a whole nother business? Do I need to go get like a passive side hustle at Starbucks or start selling like cat sweaters on Etsy? Like, What do you mean diversify? Diversify your income and what you're already doing. So I think of it like this. Uh, And it's it's weird to kind of have this conversation because in a way, like I do education. So, you know, if if I was being completely selfish, I'd be like, oh, don't do education. So then I I could just do education. But no, I like it's been so life-giving to me. And I think there's so many other people who need to be helped. And I can't possibly help everyone and neither can... Philip and neither can anyone else who's doing education. And I think of it like this. A fifth grader always knows more than a fourth grader, always. And a fourth grader will always look over up to a fifth grader. And a fifth grader will always have something valuable to give to a fourth grader. So you might not be a 10th grader, but you don't need to be. And so as you think about diversifying in pandemic, it could be as simple as going on Instagram and saying, hey, uh, I'm starting to do mentorships for like 100 bucks. Uh, Zoom calls. And before you know it, you could easily multiply that into an extra five, 10 grand a year, which is not a lot, not a lot of mentorships, but that could be the cushion to get you through every month. Yep. So r- really think about how, what can I do? And it, it may not be education. It, it could be something else video wise um, that you can kind of tap into. So I mean, like, let's, let's really go back to the, the church example. Just, um, you know, if hypothetically speaking, we did lock down again, well, people are going to need to live stream. People are going to have to live stream events, live streaming church events, school events. Like there's things that you can think outside of the box that you can do, um, with the equipment that you already have, because I was talking to, to Kalen, uh, I did a coaching call with him as a matter of fact, and, uh, he had brought up a good point, almost exactly what you said about buying new equipment. And he said, you need to use your equipment to its fullest potential before you start to think about buying something different. And that really resonated with me because I went down that rabbit hole. I was buying, I'd buy, oh, something new came out and buy and why, like, what for what? Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Like, like, I, 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 bought, I bought a Tesla to use as a dolly because I needed it. <laughs> I did, I did, we did have a Tesla, so I'm not gonna. Oh, 
did. <laughs> now I'm jealous. Uh, that was the nuclear days. We don't have a Tesla. I have a Subaru Forester now. So the nuclear days, we, we had a Tesla. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, like don't, don't get wrapped around the axle about buying the newest, shiniest thing. Like I would think about what you could use that money to further make you more money. Like I was talking about like reinvesting in education, but the, um, if you don't have, like we have six months saved up, like that was our goal before I went full time was to have six months of income saved up. And we do. And if you don't have that buffer, it is very important that you start working on that. And one thing that David actually showed me, uh, when it came to our business was multiple checking accounts. And while it doesn't sound, it's like, oh, like what, why, why would I need a second account for like my emergency stash and that kind of stuff? The psychological effect of not seeing that money in the account is actually mind bending. Like I I have four checking accounts for our business. Like we have four different accounts on purpose. Let me know if this sounds familiar. Our operating expenses, profit, owner's pay and taxes sound about right. So, uh, uh, but pulling that money out, like in my, I only look at the operating expense account and that's the same exact theory. Like you're not thinking to yourself like, Oh, I've saved up $9,000. Like, let me go grab that. Let me go grab that new Canon 70. Like, let me, let me go or the, or C70. Let me get that Canon C70. Like that's no. Cause you don't think that that, that money, doesn't quote unquote exist to you anymore, which is wild. And it's like, it's very important to do something like that because next thing you know, you forget about it and you don't touch it. And then when something does happen, you're like, Oh man, I I do. I have this rainy day fund all of a sudden. So absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm a huge, it it is just crazy. You're, You're like, Oh, I forgot I had that money. And I, it's right there where I need it when it happens. And I think, Another huge thing that I've done, and I've always kind of been this way, is taking a good look at your expenses. Because like I said, a lot of people, when they, do the, uh, when they do the exercise to see how much their emergency fund should be, what their bare bones expenses should be, mm-hmm. they're able to cut out a lot of these luxury expenses and they get their bare bone number. But I think... For a lot of wedding filmmakers, a lot of people in general, you don't need to be actually living your life at that luxury level. So one of the, I think I'm 100% positive that the thing that's allowed me to last so long as a wedding filmmaker and as a business owner and weather any storm is really to get my actual living expenses in totality as close to actually my bare minimum number mm-hmm. I need for my emergency fund. So if you haven't already, and I know it's so easy to get caught up in running a business and just going from edit to edit, but take a whole day and write down everything you spend money for on and actually start cutting things out permanently because having that margin is, is insanely like life giving because <laughs> you're, you're able to say, Oh, I don't actually need to take that wedding. I don't want to do, I don't actually need to book those extra four weddings to pay for my luxury car because I actually don't have that expense anymore. And what you're going to find is actually your business grows even more because then you can take way more risks in your business because you're not so reliant on the, uh, 
money to get there. So you could take that you know passion project wedding job that yeah, elopement in a place that you've always wanted to go to because you don't need the money for that month. So like a couple of expenses that I think people could really cut back on that I cut back on is, I mean, one debt, like if you have any debt, try to just really get that taken care of as soon as humanly possible because debt is like, you know, a leak on a ship. You think you're like setting out to go somewhere and then before you know it, the whole ship's capsized. Even if you made great time the first halfway there, you don't end up to the island because you're sunk. So uh, getting out of debt was the very first thing I did two years into my business and it has allowed me to grow insanely quickly and without worrying about it. And then the other thing is, so car, like if you are doing car payments right now, I would really just encourage you to sell the car and buy a used car. Like I drive a 20, 2008 Prius that I got for like 12 grand or 14 grand, I don't remember, and it's like paid for. And just having that extra three to $500 spared up a month is massive. That like multiplies on itself. Um, another one is just eating out. Like I really... Mm, that's a good really yeah. hardly eat out. Like I remember growing up, my parents sat me down or sat the family down one day. And of course we were a family of five, so it makes sense. But they're like, hey, so we just realized and did like a budget and we spent like $2,000 on eating out last month and like a thousand on eating out the month before. And I thought as a kid, that was like insane. But I mean, it adds up. It's actually not that hard to do with a family of five. And once they cut that out, I mean, I mean, you do the math. That's like, it's <laughs> like twelve thousand, thirteen thousand a year. That's a lot of um, money, and yeah, it's a lot of money. And I talk to people like, RA, like younger, running a business, and if you're not doing your budgeting, you could easily be eating six thousand dollars a year, and that combined with the car payment, like really try to limit your eating out if you're trying to prepare for another pandemic, if you're really trying to get your business lean, to like once a month, twice a month. I mean, the whole idea, what I've always run my business model on is kind of lean and mean. So I try to, I think a lot of people, they see the success of other people and they try to get their business to that level of success in terms of gear and finances and everything like right away. But I always took the approach where I'm going to try to actually get my business as lean. Like how can I run my business on the least amount of money with the least amount of time, with the least amount of gear as possible, then I will add from there. But I think so many people start with all this big stuff and then they try to lean down from the big, but instead start from the small and every decision after you kind of get it as lean as possible, then it can become intentional. And so that way, every decision in terms of what you add to your monthly budget or what you add to your monthly finances, it matters and you think about it intensely. Yeah, I mean, don't uh, don't lease two twenty twenty vehicles because <laughs> that's what we're stuck with right now. <laughs> so <laughs> don't do that. And uh, I, I actually, uh, you know, we went full time. Uh, it's been a little over a month now. It's been like a month and a half. And one of the things that we had set out this year was you know getting rid of that debt. And I, I talked about, we had this, uh, firearm simulator that was a thousand dollars a month. Like that's, that is a chunk of change for something that's just sitting in a Pelican case in the basement. 
Like it was just, it sat there and, uh, we, we finally got rid of it, but, um, yeah, getting, getting out from underneath debt is just so liberating and it's, it just, it feels so good to be like, man, I got to deal with that anymore. So, but eliminating debt is, yeah, it's unbelievably important. And you know, one, one thing that I've always been taught when it comes to like revenue streams is that if you have more than 30% of one piece of revenue, then you're, you're at risk for what's called a black swan event. And if the, you know, the pandemic is a black swan event. Like there is you, if you have that much invested into say just weddings, then you should probably be looking at what you can do to break things up, whether that's doing tiny bits of corporate work. Uh, you know what I mean? Like you, you should be looking at different, different streams. That way if one fails, you can still rely on like 60% of your income coming in that month. You know, like it's a, it's a good way to kind of have things broken down and, Absolutely. you know, oh. no, go ahead, go ahead. No, go, no, go ahead. Oh, and I did want to say, I just, you kind of remind me like there's two things. So when the pandemic hit, I think there was a lot of angst and frustration from the wedding world because, so say you weren't prepared and you didn't have an additional revenue stream. And I think a lot of wedding filmmakers, wedding planners, DJs might have suffered unintentionally through it where they're like, my business has to, like, if I can't get bookings now, like, I'm not going to even try to find another job or try to do anything else while this pandemic is happening because I have to keep my business afloat. I just have to. And I would say- That's a pride thing. if, If another pandemic hits, you might not be prepared. Like, and I think that's a realistic thing we have to think about. Like, life isn't perfect. And sometimes you just don't have any savings, yet alone yeah. three months. And you're not, I just want to say like, you're not a failure if it comes to the pandemic and you're like, I have to go back to my job. Like you're, you're not a failure. Like I, I just want to encourage anyone who's listening to this, that even if you're at a point in your business where like things aren't working, because I know that's where a lot of filmmakers are where they're like, I've been at this for like three or four years and it is not working. And you've taken all the courses, you've listened to all the podcasts and for whatever reason, something's not clicking, but you keep suffering. I I will say you keep suffering, Mm -hmm. barely able to make it on rent, barely able to, you're, you're doing weddings that you hate, but you're like, no, everyone keeps saying on the podcast, just hustle and grind and on the courses and on the YouTube, like I'm just, just something's not working. I want to give everyone who's listening permission to quit, to take a pause. That doesn't mean you're giving up on your dream. Like I, I have actually like taken a pause on weddings twice, like in my life. And there've been like a, like I've, I've probably within the 12 years that I've been shooting weddings, there's one season where I uh, stopped shooting weddings for like a year and a half. And then there was another season where it was around, there's like two seasons where I stopped shooting weddings for around a year and a half to two years. And just because of circumstances that happened in my life and also burnout, and I didn't tell anyone about it. Like, you don't have to like close, see, this is what 
this is the error I see a lot of wedding filmmakers make. They're like, I'm burnt out. I, the pandemic's hit. I can't keep going. So they announce it on Instagram. I'm shutting everything down. I'm not doing yeah. weddings anymore. They just, they're, I'm a failure. Don't do that. Like, I actually think it's healthy to take a little sabbatical or a little pause when you're hit a rough patch or if you're just burnt out. So if another pandemic hits and you're not ready, that's fine. Take a pause, stop doing weddings, get another job temporarily. Then when things start back up again, you can always just leave the job. And then your work hasn't changed. Your creativity hasn't changed. Your worth hasn't changed. Your value hasn't changed. And then all of a sudden, you're good. And what have you saved? Your sanity, your marriage, your life. <laughs> so I just want to like give that to yeah. people. Is sometimes it's not always about making your business perfectly pandemic-proof. Sometimes it's just about mindset and... You know, you have skills and it doesn't need to be weddings right now, maybe. Yeah, I mean, I think I think that a lot of people get like wrapped around the axle about like, oh, I have to go full time. I have to be successful at this, et cetera, et cetera. Just not realizing that, you know, it's okay to have a second job. Like it's it's okay that if you have a full time job and this is just your side hustle, like if you're just making an extra 10, 15 grand a year by shooting a handful of weddings and you like doing it, then do it. Like you don't need to, I think a lot of people get this, uh, like keeping up with the Joneses mindset to where they're just Mm. trying to do everything that they see. Well, they're trying to do everything they see other people doing on social media, which is a big problem because social media is just a bold faced lie to begin with. And what I mean by that (laughs) is people's lives are not like that at all. Right. Like that's yeah. like, there's nothing, nobody shows the fights, the arguments, the unhappy times. Like everybody looks at social media and they're like, Oh, that person's life is so perfect. <laughs> and no, no, it's not like that. Yeah. And that gives us this like false sense of, well, I want to be perfect when in reality, like none of these people are to begin with. And it's the same with like wedding businesses. Like we, Um, like us personally, I think it's been six weeks now, six, seven weeks since we've booked a wedding and it's, you know, mind you, it's August and July. I think that we're starting to see the early effects of the, this next wave, like this next fall wave coming through. Um, but we, we haven't booked a wedding and I'm not in like a freak out mode right now because we just don't. Like we're, we're kind of prepped for it. And I think that a lot of people would, would be the opposite. Did I catch up? Have I caught up? Uh, your screen is frozen. Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yeah. Okay. Can you hear me good? Uh, kind of, you're kind of cutting out. Hmm. Hold on a second. How about now? Uh, yeah, I can hear you, but your screen is frozen. Oh, now it's kind of back, but you look like a a past. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. It's a little better. It looks, on my end, everything from you looks just fine. Okay, yeah, it's just your... Okay, now we're, now I think we're back. Okay. 
I also just realized because we restarted this that my original sound is off. That's so it's you can turn it on. Um, the okay. this was really for a backup. Okay. So you know you can you can just shoot me the uh, task cam file, which that's still okay. recording, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. But uh, okay, now now you're good. Sorry, I don't know what happened there. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's fine. That's it was inevitable. We've been we've been chatting now for it's been an hour since I restarted the recording. Oh yeah, it's seven thirty. We've been going for a minute. <laughs> oh, uh, but I, I love talking to you. So I you know I, I love I talking think to that, you. This is great. Yeah, no, I, I think that you're you're you are definitely a wealth of knowledge. So I'm not trust me, I cleared out everything this evening on purpose. <laughs> so, Thank you. I appreciate it. But um, I guess just kind of jumping back in, we, um, I, I think a lot of people, they get stuck in the way that they've just been doing business just in general. And they think that that way is like the end all be all. And my always go to example with that is Kodak. Kodak was like six minutes away from bankruptcy because they thought that film was the end all be all for everything when they were staring at a cell phone camera. Like that's, you know, it's like the Sony Walkman and then CDs like Sony, like dominated that market. Kodak dominated that market. And then something else came out that was more innovative and it just crushed their businesses. Now, because Sony had diversified, they definitely survived. You know, obviously they, they have a PlayStation, like they have a bunch of other revenue. There's a certain nose trend here. They have a lot of other revenue streams like that's, but I think that a lot of people, they get stuck in this rut of, this is the way that I've always done weddings. Therefore, this is the only way that I'm going to do weddings. And people lose that like innovative process. Like they, they stop and if, if you're not innovating, and I don't mean like trying to create something like completely brand new, but if you're not, like one thing that we did was uh, we started offering live streaming. We had never offered live streaming. We never thought about offering live streaming, but I went and bought all of the equipment to live stream events. And that's one of those equipment costs that I knew would have a return on investment. In fact, the very first wedding that we did live stream paid for all of the equipment, including the ungodly cost of an Elgato cam link. That <laughs> was a nightmare. I, I paid like $500 for that thing and you can get it for like 110 bucks. <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> it was insane. Uh, uh but people get like stuck like, Oh, I've, I've never offered live streaming. Therefore, I'm not going to offer live streaming or we don't do ceremony only edits. Like we don't just do ceremonies. We need to do the the whole thing like that. I think that's uh, that stagnation is not going to help you when something like a pandemic starts rolling through you thinking that you're going to be able yeah, to continue to do crafty. business. Yeah. Yeah. We, in the military, we called it Semper Gumby. You're always <laughs> flexible. Like that's, yeah. you're, you're always flexible. That's uh, and I mean, just, I, just, to, I, th- I really like that though. It's the mentality of nothing's beneath me in terms of work. 
Um, yeah. Especially in terms of my skill sets. And just be like, when things like that happen, just think, how can I help people? People always pay money to be helped. Yeah. And so, That's a good point. yeah, uh, if something else comes along, you just think about what, pe- what are things that people are struggling with? Do my skill sets in any capacity meet those needs? How can I reach out to those people and help them and charge them for it? I mean, that's like business simplified, but that's really what you got. You got to go back to the basics uh, when it kind of gets to pandemic mode and things start shutting down on you. Yeah, no, they, uh, uh, so I, I, you, I, you might know this, but in, in marketing, they call that finding the customer's pain points. And uh, a lot of people think that that's like a really derogatory thing to say, but that's just like, that is like the vernacular for that expression. Like, that's not like, like you're, you're looking to find what is difficult for a customer and then you want to fill that gap. Like you want to give them the solution to what, what that is. And, you know, video is an unbelievably useful tool like everybody wants video, like everyone wants video. I mean, even if you reached out, what I've been doing lately is, uh, when I'm dealing with a luxury planner, I will offer to make them like a one to two minute promo. I'll go for free to whatever wedding event that they're doing. And I will do the behind the scenes and then shoot a little interview with them and then cut them, uh, 60 to 120 second, you know, little promo video that they can put either on Instagram, their website, that kind of stuff. Like you're, you're adding value to somebody that needs it that will in turn more than likely generate you revenue. I love that. That's like an excellent example (laughs) of, yeah, just partnering with people. And I think that's huge. Like if we enter in another one of these seasons, don't go, don't go in it alone because if, things start shutting down, you're not the only one affected. Planners, DJs, coordinators. So the best thing to do would be to reach out to them and be like, hey, we're all suffering with this. How can we help each other? Like, I'm sure the planner might have a need that only you can fill and you might have a need from a florist that they don't even know that they could help you with. And just really kind of getting a community of people who are struggling, then you can serve people at an even better scale. I think that's another thing we saw. Everyone was freaking out and everyone kind of like, close themselves off and just kind of let their business die or stagnate. But I think if it happens again, reaching out to these people and there's just always more wisdom and so many more, you know, people involved in solving the problem. Have you been struggling to make solid cinematic films? Do you watch other filmmakers and wonder why their products look so good? You need training, good specialized training, something that is easy to digest and that you can take safely at home. I'm not talking about college talking about full-time filmmaker. Parker Wahlbeck and his team have put together an amazing course with over 400 training videos. Everything from Wedding Video Pro with Jake Weisler to how to edit with Premiere or Final Cut. Imagine getting proper, real-world training you can do at home. Imagine the impact that would have on your work, your skills increase, your quality increases, and then so do your prices. Click on our affiliate link below, take the free online training on their top 10 secrets to achieving cinematic shots, and see what full-time filmmaker can do for you. We did it, 
and it propelled our business. Yeah, and I I think that there were I think there were a lot of great programs that came out during this time, like the pandemic unemployment. Like there was uh, uh, what what were the checks that everybody was getting, the stimulus payments, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But if if you notice something right now, you've heard nothing about pandemic employment, uh, the unemployment insurance getting extended. I think it ends September fourth. You've heard zero mention of that getting moved. No mention of any other stimulus like that. So all of these like safety nets that I think people relied on pretty heavily, they're not going to be here. So you you need to start like really taking stock of what you can do to backfill for that kind of stuff. Because if we roll into something else, I don't think that those things are coming back. Like I just, I don't think that there's that, that, uh, so I also have a degree in political science, so I, I will talk about politics all day. That's why I'm trying to avoid it right now. I'm just saying that I don't think that there's a, uh, the political capital is not there for those programs right now. So I would not roll in thinking that you're going to hit December and be like, well, you know, we're going to get another round of the PPP loan or we're going to get an EIDL loan. Like, I don't think those programs are coming back. And it's, I I will say off that though, if we do enter in another kind of thing like this, a lot of filmmakers didn't take advantage of something like the PPP. So really, uh, if we kind of go into another season like this, figure out what the government is offering and apply for it, like apply for, I applied for two PPP loans. I got both of them and I got them both forgiven. So I just want, I got PPP loan one, (laughs) PPP loan two, and I just did the thing. Was it time consuming? Yes. Was it a crazy long process? Yes. Uh, Was it confusing? Absolutely. (laughs) But I I was like, you know what? I'm going to, because the upside, like, so I think the first PPP loan was for like 14 grand and the second was for 30 grand. And I was like, there's no way I'm going to get these. Got them both, got them both forgiven as a wedding filmmaker. So I'm not saying that to like brag in any way, but I'm like, I'm just a wedding filmmaker. I wasn't some big business. I just had one employee. You can do this. So if that comes up again, do the PPP loan, apply for it. If anything like that comes up as a business owner, definitely do it. Because I know a lot of people were scared. They didn't know what to do. They're like, oh, I'm just, I just started out. I'm not going to apply for this thing. It's scary. Um, That's one huge way is if the government starts offering things like that, apply for it. I know if you listen to Dave Ramsey, he's like, don't do it. Don't do it. It's evil. It's the devil. But um, yeah, just uh, avail yourself to what's available. Um, yeah, no, that that's it, free money. It helps so let's, out. yeah, hold on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I don't care who's telling, if, if the government's like, hey man, you want some free money? I'll be like, yeah, yeah. yeah I'll take that free money. <laughs> yeah, so Definitely. Yeah, because we we did PPP round two because as a sole proprietor, see, this is where it gets into all the intricacies about all this stuff. But uh, I'd highly recommend that you talk to your accountant about this. And I'm not saying that to like try to skate like legal stuff. I'm being dead serious because my accountant like walked me through everything. Um, And if you don't have an accountant, you should get one because they are an immense help. But I didn't qualify for the first one because I'm a sole proprietor. Um, And... That's what happens because I've been paying Brittany under a 1099. 
<laughs> so missed out on that train. But the uh, uh, I did qualify for the second one, and I got like a whopping fifty two hundred bucks. Now, mind you, that's also forgiven. And it's, that's still money. Like, I'm not going to, you know, complain about that whatsoever because that's months worth of bills. You know what I mean? It's, it's not, you know, it's not a hundred grand or 200 grand or something like that, but it still covered us for a little piece of time. But then I also applied and got the EIDL loan and that one was 20 grand, but you have to pay that one back. However, our payment right now, it's a hundred bucks a month and that's it. Like it's an ultra low interest loan. Yeah, it's over it's the course nothing. of 30 years. Yeah. Like that, that 20 grand up front was in immense. So between those two programs, we, you know, we got 25 K for our little, it's just me as a sole proprietor. And then, you know, I, I pay Brittany like at the end of the year and that kind of stuff. But the, uh, but they're, there's so much money in that stuff. There's money left over because they're, they're, you know, with, with all these talks about all these other programs and that kind of stuff, like they're trying to use that funding to fund other stuff. So with everybody, like with what you were saying, like most people aren't taking advantage of these things. And it's, it's important that, that people do like that's. So I think, uh, Oh, no. I was going to see if PPP round two is still open. That would be crazy. <laughs> but it's not. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So definitely you got to avail yourself to those things. And it's weird that your accountant told you you didn't qualify being a sole proprietor because I'm a sole proprietor and I qualified for both. You have an employee. I see. Was that was that? Yeah. So Yeah. So you. I'm assuming that you paid like that employee or employees with a W-2? And you could show like yeah, wage. No, no actually, and- so I don't know if it's a California thing, but I'm pretty sure PPP is all the same. So I know a lot of accountants were confused about this. And I'm only talking about it because mm-hmm. if it comes up again, I think it's worth mentioning. Um, if you are a sole employee, if, if you are a sole proprietor and you have a, it's just you, you are an employee, you can... I did a lot of research on this. That's the only reason I know is you should still be able to qualify for the PPP. You know what? Maybe I did miss misspeak. I think now that I'm thinking about it, when he crunched all the numbers, the first round of the PPP for me would have been like 800 bucks. And it just okay, wasn't. So, so maybe that's what it was. Yeah, maybe. And I think, I think we just decided not to, because it wouldn't, we wouldn't have made it because I, I would have had so, so little funding. Right, because uh, that was before. That was when you were part time, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was before. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that's probably what yeah, it was. Then that's. I think that's. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, when I went to apply for forgiveness, that was only for round one. At that point, I couldn't gotcha. apply for that forgiveness yet because sense. there was a, a different different track for that. Yeah, right, right. That's what it is. You're right. You're right. See, this is so, why Danny was a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's be. <laughs> I literally lost sleep over that PPP loan. I watched so many videos, like I'm going to puke my brains out on tax stuff. But uh, yeah, well, hopefully it happens again. No, not I don't want to scratch that. Yeah, we know. If it does happen again, hopefully I can help people. I don't want anything like this to happen again. Yeah, no, and I, but you're absolutely right. Like people, I, I shouldn't say take advantage 
because that's not the like it's you're not taking advantage of a program. It's not like you're right. stealing money for like it's <laughs> like these these are programs that are available to people to keep them afloat. So it's important that you use them. Like that's you yeah. Know, like like I, I say those big numbers that I got, but like in 2020, my revenue dropped 50. percent So it's like. Like I qualified for these loans kind of yeah. thing. So it's not like, oh, I made all this money and I'm getting all this extra. It's like, no, like I really needed it. So um, yeah, uh, regardless of where you kind of stand politically, if you think, okay, well, this is a stupid idea because we're given money and we can't afford it, whatever, you know, it, it still would be worth looking into because it can help your business for now and you can kind of breathe a little bit. Yeah, I'm just going to throw this out here real quick. The uh, F-22 jet costs $1.4 trillion <laughs> to manufacture, so uh, we got the money. We can <laughs> like, that's uh, that's not even the cost of, like, a JDAM. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, we're, we're doing all right, kind of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we got the $750 billion defense budget. We'll be okay. So, <laughs> the, uh, but, yeah, no, I mean... Um, just just to kind of talk about like innovation and being stagnant and that kind of stuff, a stat that I was looking at that I actually pulled up for the podcast that I thought was really, really interesting was in the last 20 years, 52% of Fortune 500 companies no longer exist. So over half of, of, of Fortune 500 companies are just no longer in business. And that's like that, like you can directly attribute that to like stifled innovation and everybody falls into that rut. And it's just important that we, we look at things differently because you're going to get impacts. You're going to have things that happen and it's really important that you can, you know, in, in the military, we called it check and adjust. You, you can check and adjust to what's going on around you. You can just, you can shift and, um, it's just, it's sad to see people with like very good businesses go under because they're just, they're not operating their business correctly. Or to David's point, it's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with getting a second job. Like if all of my wedding revenue dried up right now, I would have no problems with keeping Be About Exposure open and going and working at Home Depot. That's not a joke. Like I, that's not a joke. Like I, well, <laughs> one, I got kids, so I got mouths to feed. But yeah. two, the, uh, I know that I would be able to recover things with my wedding business and eventually get back on track. Like I wouldn't look at that as a failure. And I don't think David's right. Nobody should. Like nobody should think that their business has failed. It's just on hold for a minute. Like that's, just put it on hold. You got to figure out some things. You know, and one thing that I talked about in the episode after I went full time was there's, you know, sometimes going full time isn't right for everybody. Like there's, you know, like there's, there's, there's costs associated with businesses that some people need a full time job or a part time job to kind of backfill. But absolutely. And I, and I would say too, as, cause we're kind of coming out of 2020, which was just, a horrible year uh, oh, yeah. for everybody, and I think <laughs> I think there's kind of a default mode in people that 
oh, like, I, 2020 was such a horrible year, and I'm going to 2021, I'm picking myself up, and I'm just going to go for it. And that's awesome. Like, I think a lot of people need to do that. But if you're listening to this podcast right now, don't do that just because everyone's doing it and because it's what you think you should be doing. I will say some of the best seasons of my life and for the business have been when I've taken a pause and kind of reevaluated what am I doing? Why am I doing it? Is wedding something I still even want to be doing? And do I enjoy what I'm creating? So I would say is like, ask yourself, am I ready? Like 2020 was hard. Like, am I ready to do this again? Because I think a lot of us just assume, well, it's my job. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. But like, ask like, is this something that you're mentally ready for and excited about? And it's okay to, you know, take a couple more months. Like you don't have to, even if you have, like you might have the opposite problem of like, oh my goodness, I have inquiries coming left and right. And I have a full like half of the year booked already. And you're just like, but the problem with that is you don't even take time to recover from all the grief and all the sadness and all the trauma that went through, that we all went through in 2020. So I think when I, if I were to sit in front of a bunch of wedding filmmakers right now, And what I see online is a lot of people are just starting again as if nothing happened. Like as if 2020, just like, oh, that was just a blip and we just take out that year, cut it out and then merge, you know, 2019 and 2021. But I'm like, that just feels so inauthentic. And I think it's going to be inauthentic to everyone's art as well. And I think what we're going to see is near the tail end of 2021, because people didn't like grieve properly and actually like readjust their business based on what they learned we're going to have like a massive burnout because it's literally like, you know, running a 24, running a marathon after you just ran seven without like taking any breaks. And I think people have this unrealistic expectation of, because the thing is what's happening is the bookings are kind of there and there to a like crazy extent because all these brides are kind of frantic about like, we got a book, we got to get married. And actually the work is there. I, I don't think the problem is the work. But I kind of want to ask you guys, like, what would it look like to actually not take the amount of jobs that you can? Like, we talk so much about, in the wedding world, trying to get more. But I kind of want to challenge you guys, what would it look like to purposely do less for the sake of better art and actually making more money in the long run? Because if you took this upcoming year to say, you know, 2020 was hard. I'm going to purposely only take 10 weddings, 15 weddings. I'm going to purposely make 15 grand, 20 grand less because I know in 2022, I'm going to really have that foundation of like like mental therapeutic base to really do well. And when everyone's burning out, you'll just be able to go years and years after that. So that's just something that kind of popped into my mind and in being in this 12 years and doing that kind of going through that cycle multiple times in my career um, it's just something I think about so much more at the beginning of the every year and as I get older I'm constantly thinking about more and more how can I do more but less how can I how can I do less and put more of myself in the fewer amount of things so just something I want to kind of cause you guys to think about yeah, that was 
unbelievably good advice. Because one, mental health is, you know, really, really important. Um, but two, I guarantee you that if you implemented what David just said, the products that you're creating are probably going to be exponentially better than what they would have been if you were trying to knock out like 30 to 50 weddings. Because you could spend more time, you could curate things better, like you would, more of you would be in that film. And that's, that right there would probably lead to increased prices, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Like you'd get different clientele, you know, but the, uh, like that, that is phenomenal advice. And I really mean that. Like I, I never, I never thought about that. Like that's, that's really good advice. (laughs) Thanks. So I'm going to cut, I'm going to cut your, I've been living in. So yeah, I'm going to cut your part out of that. And then I'm just going to say it all over again. And I'm going to tell you that's (laughs) fine. So (laughs) cool. Hey, free advice. But I think that that is actually a good segue into talking about your course, The Profitable Filmmaker. Mm. And why I say that is because doing less work and getting paid more for that work. And I think that your course is a very good blueprint on what to do to kind of get to that point. So not like I, I, notwithstanding like the mental health things and that kind of stuff, but just in general, getting your prices to a point to where you can do, you know, 20 weddings and make a hundred K compared to 50 or 60 and make a hundred K. So why, um, let's, let's talk about the, the profitable filmmaker. Cause that's, that's releasing, uh, today. So yeah. we're, you know, like that, that'll be releasing today. Yeah. So man, it is kind of a perfect segue. So the profitable filmmaker is kind of how to run a business, how everything in terms of what you need to run a wedding filmmaking business. So it's called the profitable filmmaker and it's how to make hundred K doing wedding films in any market, location, or economy. And I go through sales, marketing, design, SEO, ads, uh, productivity, profitability, how to run like the finances of your business, just all of these things. But all of it's not like, if you're listening to this and you're like, man, that sounds great, but really overwhelming. Like, I don't know if I'm ready to make 100K. I don't know if I'm ready to run this big business that's really not what the heart of it is. Like the heart of it really is what Philip just said is how can you do what you love and spend more time with your family and spend more time on your art while making more money? And that might sound like a complete pipe dream. And you're like, David, you're just being a salesperson. You're just pitching something like that's what all salespeople say. How can you make more money in less time? But like that wasn't just a slogan for me. Like I lived it. Like in 2019 and 2018 and 2017, those were the hardest years of like my entire life business-wise. I was traveling like out of state, out of country, half of the year. I was shooting, editing just my eyeballs out. I was making good money, but it was not a way to live, to raise a family. It just, it wasn't working. And so I had to personally say, I had to make a choice. Do I want to live like this and forever and just kill myself? Or do I find another way or do I quit? (laughs) I mean, three options, I guess. 
And I decided I am going to find another way. And if I can't find another way, I don't know if I'm going to be able to keep doing weddings. So this course is the other way that I found. And so I, I did it for myself first. So it isn't just me like <laughs> trying to sell you something that like I haven't personally done. This is how I did it in my business to get to that level and to just free up so much more time to be with my family. And there's just this guy who posted in our Facebook group, uh, I think a couple weeks ago, and he was like, this course was amazing. I had my first $25,000 a month. And through being in this course and use, utilizing the processes and the systems, like my wife was able to quit her job. She can spend more time at home. I was able to open up a actual studio space, which mm. I also have as a wedding venue. So I make money off that and all these other things because of the business practices and because of how I was able to charge more for my work. I'm making more than I ever have, but I'm also working less and being able to spend more time with my family. So that testimonial, that's what I want for you guys. Like that's my heart. Sure. Like the hundred K is there because it's flashy. It's, it it gets your attention because who doesn't want to make a hundred K. So that's kind of why I put it there. Um, like it wouldn't be very interesting if I was like how to live a stress-free life wedding filmmaking course, but really like that's the heart. It's not to make a ton of money and be stressed out of your mind. It's how to, that hundred K is more about quality of life than about the quantity of weddings you're doing. So that course is out right now. The enrollment is going to be only open for uh, like a week or so. You'll see the deadline timer on the page. I'm going to be on live chat on the webpage. So if you have any questions, like I'm going to be there 24 seven, a little chat bubble, bottom right of the screen, uh, click that. It's me. It's not a bot. <laughs> so, uh, just, if you just want to say hi, I'm there. If you want to ask questions about the course, I'm there. So that's, that's my little, my little plug. Yeah. And I mean, there, I, w- I want to talk about, there's, there's two really specific things inside the course that immensely helped us. Uh, one was the branding workbook. So David's got a branding workbook in there. It's like seven pages, 10 pages that really, really helps facilitate you finding your target couple Mm. and then like narrowing down, like, you know, what, what's your target couple? Like, where are they shopping? You know, what kind of, what's their vernacular? Like I was actually talking to a luxury planner on the podcast a couple of days ago, and she was talking about speaking the same language as your couple. And the first thing I told her was, you know, I took this thing called the the profitable filmmaker and in the branding workbook, like he, he had us like go to websites and then look at like, where, like, where do you think people are shopping and that kind of stuff. And it's like verbatim what she was talking about and like isolating that couple. And then David kind of walks you through how to get things set up to where you have uh, the copy on your website that starts to match that. Mm. And those that that branding workbook in and of itself is just gold. Like it's awesome. it's it's gold. I'm actually I'm looking at it right now. I got it on my I'm, <laughs> on my laptop. I'm cheating. Uh, and just out of curiosity, did you make up the uh, the paid? Uh, is that your acronym? I I, I did actually. <laughs> so, <Yeah>. See, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I mean I had gone to and read books and done all the stuff where people have kind of like done acronyms before. So it was kind of in my mind of like, Hey, that was really helpful when other people did acronyms for 
stuff. So I was like, hey, I want to do an acronym for this. And it just, I thought about it for like days and yeah, I finally was able to get something that I liked. Yeah, no, it works. It works. Uh, But the other piece to this is the sales call. Mm. And like we, you know, going with the vernacular and that kind of stuff, we call it a discovery call now, but the, uh, uh, the sales module has like a, just literally a blueprint of how you should be conducting the call. And I, I listen to these, you know, stories of people that talk about like, Oh, you know, my, like, I don't know what to say when I get on the phone with people, David, I got the course. I want to say it was like February. Does that sound about right? Yeah, it sounds about right. Yeah. Um, and every, every discovery call that I've been on since I've used that call sheet. <laughs> Every last one of them. And uh, what I have found now is when a couple does not book us, it is not because they don't like our work. It's not because they weren't attracted to our website. It's not because they weren't our ideal couple shooting in locations that we want to shoot at. It's simply based on cost. Mm -hmm. And the sales call goes so well Nine times out of 10, I will have couples tell me that, well, we can't afford you, which is also okay. Like that's, in my personal opinion, that's also okay. Yeah. Uh, but they'll tell us literally, we're going to refer you to our friends. Like even though they can't, we're not going to work together. They're like, that's we'll awesome. refer you to our friends. And that's because of the way the sales call is structured. Like it's it's so... And again, this goes back to that like innovation process. Like I didn't look at, I didn't sit down and say the way I was doing a sales call was the best way to do it. Like I never once thought like with that mentality, I looked at how David was doing it and was like, David is doing something right now. I am biased. I will admit I'm a hundred percent biased because I do have craft 5k I, uh, David, I have your native Lutz. Like I, you know, I, you know, I'm team, I'm team forestry, but the, uh, uh, but I know that David knows what he's talking about. And if he tells me, Hey, Phil, you should probably do X. I'm going to listen. Like, I, I'm not going to let like my pride get in the way. I'm not going to be like, well, this is Brittany and I have been doing it like this for three years and we tend to be doing pretty good. We can do better. And David probably has that secret sauce to do better. Like, I don't know how else to put that. Like that's, and, you know, following like the sales module, I actually have the course in front of me right now, David. Um, There's 11 modules to the course. Like it's not something that you can do in like 15 minutes. Like this is a very well put together, (laughs) in-depth. I mean, even the, uh, the advertising. Uh, you know, there's what there's, these things go into just add combos, add targeting the sniper method. I clicked on it. I start playing, uh, you know, some of these videos are just one thing is 45 minutes long on, you know, so there's, there's, there's a ton of content in this thing. Like it's not, it's not like a fly by night deal by any means. And I, I can tell you from personal experience, like if you implement the things that David is talking about, your business will become more successful. 
Like I like that's if you just listen and do what David is talking about, like the bank accounts. Like I would have never thought about breaking up my bank accounts, but now that I've done it, we have more money. I don't know why. <laughs> it's not we we just I'm not looking at an account and like, oh, there's there's five grand in there. Let me go buy a new camera. It's you know what I mean? Like there is really a dichotomy to that that, that really works. And um so I uh, you know, I'm, I'm a big, I'm a big cheerleader for the course because it, it, it works. Like I, there's, there's no other way around it. Like it, it will definitely, it will definitely help your business. Man, uh, best endorsement ever. <laughs> that's, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Well, well guys, yeah, that's, I mean, I don't think I can add anything to what more to than to what Philip said, but yeah, it's out and check it out. And I can't wait to help you guys just, you know, grow your business and be at that level of success that I know you can be with the right systems and processes. Yeah, no, and I'm I'm excited to see uh, new faces in the profitable filmmaker group. So you know, make sure make sure that you go out and get it. And I hope everybody enjoyed this uh, this bonus episode. And yeah, yeah, don't don't hesitate to reach out to me if you have questions on the course either. So I can I could definitely answer answer a lot of stuff too. So I'm here to help, David. Awesome. All right, everybody. I hope every oops just hit my mic. I hope everybody is uh, staying safe and healthy, and we will see you guys next week. All right, out. Are you backing up your footage? Is it seamless, running in the background, and easily available? Bring in Backblaze, the world's easiest cloud backup. Our workflow is so simple. We offload our footage onto our external drives. Then that evening, the files automatically start backing up into the cloud. There's nothing else for us to do. Imagine having the peace of mind that your footage is stored off-site in a safe location where you can easily retrieve it from your browser and that it is crazy affordable. That's Backblaze. Click on our affiliate link below and get one month free.